Hi, and welcome to Walk Talk, a podcast courtesy of the Wound, Ostomy, and Continence Nurses Society. Walk Talk is your opportunity to learn more about advocacy, education, and research that support the practice and delivery of expert healthcare to individuals with wound, ostomy, and continence care needs. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jody Scardillo. Welcome to this week's edition of Walk Talk. On this week's episode, we're discussing an article that was in the March-April issue of the Journal of Woundostomy and Continence Nursing that was entitled The Caudi Prevention Toolkit. This article discussed a collaborative project that the WOCN participated in with many other organizations regarding Caudi prevention. The co-authors of the article were Kathleen Lawrence from the VNA and Hospice of the Southwest Region in Rutland, Vermont, Donna Bliss from the University of Minnesota School of Nursing in Minneapolis, Maureen Daly from the Daily Solution in New York, New York, Chanel Trevellini from Patient Safety Solutions in Bayside, New York, and Vicki Pontieri-Lewis from the Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Today, I'm lucky to have with me Kate and Vicki to discuss the article and our participation as an organization in that project. Thanks for joining me, ladies. Oh, it's welcome. I'm happy to be here. Yes, thank you very much for asking me to participate. So I know both of you pretty well, and I know you're very involved in WOCN activities, but I wondered if maybe Kate and then Vicki, where you would tell our audience some of the things you're currently doing in your clinical practice and some of your involvement in WOCN activities. Yes. So I am a wound ostomy incontinence tri-specialty certified nurse, and I am the program director in a home care in Vermont. I came from acute care and I am engaged in home care and long-term care now. And We cover about half of the state. So that's exciting because home care is a wonderful place to be now. There's lots of opportunities for WOC nurses. And currently for the Wound Ostomy Incontinence Nursing Society, I volunteer as the Public Policy and Advocacy Coordinator. So I, along with all the rest of us, are learning more and more about public policy and advocacy and how we can make change happen in the policy and advocacy arena. So that's what I'm up to. Hi, this is Vicki Pontieri-Lewis. I currently am tri-specialty certified as well in WOC nursing. I work in a very large academic uh, medical center. And we provide consultation to inpatients with wounds and ostomy incontinence needs. I currently serve as the treasurer to our members of our society and uh, very honored to do so. I also have participated in other or volunteered in other activities within the society as well. I'm very happy to be speaking to everyone tonight. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you both. So, Kate, can you tell us a little bit about this project and how it all came about and what it involved? Because it certainly sounded like there were a lot of people involved and this was a very big undertaking. It was a very big undertaking. And we were, shall I say, very first, we were very, very lucky that the American Nurses Association recognized us as one of the organizational affiliates. So we have always been under their umbrella as a specialty nursing practice now designated by our scope and standards as well. But one of their fellows, Maureen Daly, was involved in the partnership, the CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, Partnership for Patients, which is was a private and public group that was focused on improving quality and safety and 
the Partnership for Patients asked the American Nurses Association to identify clinical gaps around CAUTI because the CAUTI rates were not going down nationwide. And there was a big push to look at, well, what can we do to make an impact? And the American Nurses Association said, well, nurses should be part of that solution. So the American Nurses Association was very kind to include us in a very large group of individuals who worked on this project, including folks from the Health Agency for Healthcare Quality and Research, Infection Control and Epidemiology, the CDC, and the numerous representatives from nursing organizations like the Rehab Nurses and the MedSurge Nurses and the Geriatric Society, the Society of Urological Nurses and Associates. And we were very lucky to get Four seats at the table, including Maureen, who was a certified woundostomy continence nurse, although her role in this very important project was organizing and facilitating this project and bringing it to fruition. So Vicki, myself, Donna Bliss, and Chanel Travolani were all able to be part of this technical expert panel. Wow. So what exactly did you do? Well, it was a big project, but it was, I would say, wouldn't you, Vicki? It was a swift project. There was some very yes. intense timelines. Yeah. We had actually two face-to-face -face meetings for this project, if I recollect. And a lot of work was done over conference calling and consolidation. Maureen facilitated a large group of folks with lots of input into the project, doing literature reviews and gleaning from work that had already been done by the government or many of the departments that participated were government-based departments. So they had information and looking at the gaps and where could we make a big difference. And the CAUTI project actually mirrored the central line, technical, two people, dressing change, care for the central line to avoid infections, um, which I think Vicki could speak to a little better than I, but it mirrored that sort of process and, and said, well, maybe we should look at how people, number one, are qualifying for catheters, number two, how long are they in and are they getting out soon enough? And number three, is there a problem with the procedure from a nursing perspective? And so that's the focus of the group. And it was a two-day meeting and a lot of phone calls and some Google Doc work to finally culminate in the ANA CAUTI prevention tool, which is an algorithm and its companion guidance document. And I think, as Kate shared, I think it was a wonderful opportunity to have all these disciplines come together that were concerned about catheter-associated urinary tract infection and to brainstorm and to go through the literature and to look at the evidence and look at the practices that eventually led to the development of the tool. I think the work that was done, as Kate said, there were two face-to-face -face meetings, a tremendous amount was done via conference call or small focus groups, or you know, we were all assigned different components of the project. But it was a wonderful project to see all these disciplines come together to improve the care that we provide to the patients we serve every day. And this whole toolkit is a nurse-driven process, correct? Absolutely. And although the Partnership for Patients is a multidisciplinary group as well, the actual piloting of this tool was done by nurses at piloting hospitals that were 
part of the healthcare folks that were partnered, shall I say, <laughs> engaged with the Partnership for Patients. That particular group has now disseminated and doesn't exist. But from a historical perspective, when we wrote the article, we needed to say, you know, this is, even though it was just a few years ago, you know how things happen in the government. They change it all up and call it something else the next day. Well, the Partnership for Patients doesn't exist any longer, but this was driven by them as an organization. So both of you, tell me, you both do a lot of things for the organization. What was it about this project that made you say, oh, I'm going to do this. I want to help with this. So at the time the project developed, um, we're obviously have our specialty in continence nursing. And it was at the time where there was both the government and hospitals, healthcare facilities were looking at county rates across the U.S. And I think it was an opportunity for the society to become involved in a project as this because we are continence nurses and we have an expertise in a variety of different containment garments, evidence-based practices and literature to help this group come up with alternatives to using catheters for patients. And along with you know, the goal in reducing catheter use to ensure that we maintain the skin integrity of the patients that we take care of. So I think our expertise as woundostomy and continence nurses played a significant role in helping prevent other complications that could be associated with, you know, decreasing the use of uh, urinary catheters. And I had a very vested interest as I'm very active in the organization that I work in with the role in WC nursing and incontinence as well. And I think it's very important for all of us who practice in different healthcare settings to have a voice when it comes to looking at county prevention. How about you, Kate? Well, I think the opportunity presented, and I had just closely completed my role in being president, and we were offered this wonderful opportunity by our affiliation with the ANA. And it was a place that the Woundostomy and Continence Nursing Society needed to be. And just like Vicki said, our members do practice continence, and we had a lot under our belt in terms of writing guidance documents and fact-filled, literature-reviewed information for nurses around continence care. So it just seemed like a natural fit. And it was important to be sitting at that table with so many other important people, just in terms of showing that we are available for future work in the field as well. And so I'm guessing that our society developed guidelines such as the care of a person with a urinary catheter, where some of the evidence uh, that was looked at to develop this toolkit. Where else was the literature obtained from that supported this practice? There had been a lot of work around the CUSP project. So there was several large initiatives. There was a multi-hospital initiative in the Michigan area where they had already done some piloting and some work around CAUTI. And so all of this information, including our information, was brought together and sifted through to find the valuable points that could be applied at the bedside. And so how was this toolkit, once it was developed, communicated and disseminated to people that would use it? It seems I remember the WOCN had some participation in that as well. The WOCN 
the Society did a press release as well as the ANA had done a press release as well, introducing or announcing for the uh, development of the tool and what the tool or how the tool could be used in organizations. Kate, was there any other? I know there were several press releases in Nursing World. Yes, there were. And there were several presentations at, a, at the national level. Those were done by a conference for the American Nurses Association. And then Vicki and Maureen did. So there were several large educational components where the toolkit was revealed. I think also it's been living on the American Nurses Association's website. And part of the reason we wanted to write this article was, one, we wanted to show folks that the Woundostomy Continence Nursing Society is being engaged in collaboration with other organizations and multidisciplinary organizations, including governmental uh, organizations. Number two, we wanted to, to showcase the folks that did so much good work Donna Bliss was really fundamental in helping with the sifting down of the research, the granulation of the research to try to kind of get the points really clear for the algorithm. I mean, Maureen Daly was facilitating. She was a CWCN. Chanel Travellani and Vicky were going to be implementing these in their very large organizations. So we were so very lucky to be part of this. And we wanted to write about it so that folks knew, gee, you know, this is something that I can access. And although the article focuses on the role of the society, there is embedded in the article the location of the CADI prevention tool. But I just wanted to be really clear that it's on the American Nursing Association site, and that is accessible at www.nursingworld.org. And it's in the practice and policy section. And it's under ANA CAUTI prevention tool. And if you Google that or however you want to get into the ANA site, you will find it under uh, health and safety and work environment. And it's a fabulous tool. It is, I went through it again last night. It's still very germane to what's happening in acute care settings. And again, to be clear, this tool was established as an acute care tool. Not that the principles cannot be used elsewhere, but it was primarily established as a acute care tool, especially the procedures for inserting the catheters. And I'd have to say that RWOC nurses represented nursing across the spectrum well during this project because we had been boots on the ground working with folks, you know, inserting Foley catheters all of our professional careers in all settings. And we were able to say, yeah, but, you know, this isn't really applicable to home care, this part. <laughs> so we have to be careful how we word this. One of the things that was delightful to me, and I think another reason that we were focused on being at the table, was we were able to say, you know, there's stuff that we do every day that's beyond a Foley catheter. And we need to talk about CIC. We need to talk about body warm absorptive products. We need to talk about female urinals, male urinals, adapted urinals, all of those things that we know so much about. And, you know, we were able to include that in the algorithm. And I think that we kept that in mind in the development process of the algorithm to make it very simplistic for the staff nurse at the bedside. 
but also to give those nurses at the bedside autonomy when caring for patients with a Foley catheter and to have the ability to have a nurse-driven protocol if patients meet certain criteria to remove the catheter when appropriate. So we kept that in mind as we developed the algorithm that although we were experts on the panel, that this was going to be for a staff nurse at the bedside. And the protocol is very easy to use and very easy to follow. And as Kate had said, added to um, the algorithm is the um, information and the evidence-based practice that we can provide to nurses at the bedside regarding other containment devices, again, to preserve patient skin integrity when Foley catheters are removed. And then we always say when implementing or utilizing, you know, this evidence-based tool is to always, again, you want to follow the policies maybe specific to the facility that you live at, that you work at. And, you know, that's always very important to keep in mind as well. And, you know, since tool has been or was developed, there has been more evidence or more research that has been published regarding different types of containment devices that have now become available on the market. External female uh, urinary containment devices. The society has uh, published articles on uh, body-worn absorptive products. So the tool is still very valuable And there has also been other information published by the society to, again, help augment um, information that's in the tool. What was the most surprising thing that you learned from uh, participating in this? So I think when we started and, you know, reviewing the literature, remember that many of us, we came from different disciplines and different practices and how important it is to look at the evidence and what the practice is and ensure that the care that we deliver is evidence-based. And there was an abundance of literature, as Kate had said earlier, that we looked at and reviewed as a group and how sometimes there's variance in different practices, but that we need to practice by the evidence. And that was very much come forth in the tool that was developed. So, Kate, how do you see the average walk nurse using this information? Like, it seems like if I were a new person who was charged with this project, the ANA would be a great place to start for some information. Oh, absolutely. They Again, they've layered several levels of information around the CAUTI prevention tool on their website. I think in combination with what the society has for management of Foley catheters, and our other continents resources that we have developed, you know, you have quite a nice toolkit to start looking at how do I influence change within my organization? How can I participate in change? Because you're not starting out at square zero. There's all these available resources. We have really beefed up in the last couple of years a lot of our continent. We've redone quite a number of our continents products in terms of information for our members. I also think the tool is shall I say, complex because it's research-based and it's very succinct, but it's simple in a sense that it's not, there's no way that it couldn't be implemented easily. When they started the conversation for this project, we were really only speaking about 
the procedure of putting in catheters because the group had focused very much on that it might be technique that was still driving Cotty infections up and not necessarily any other factors. So that conversation became very in-depth for the whole entire group. And what became evident, I think, to the WOC nurse members was, well, yes, we need to have really good evidence-based procedures for placing catheters when you have to have them, but we need to have nurse-driven impetus to get them out, like Vicky said, and we need to have alternatives. And you can't speak about taking Foley's out without having alternatives. So it really, in hand, I think the algorithm and the background material helps WOC nurses to go to the table with their infectious disease folks and the other nursing folks in their institutions and say, okay, we need to look at what else we can bring into the institution. And here's some suggestions based on evidence and based on many nursing specialty practices. Yes. And I think one point that we also, when we presented the tool to at national, the WRC and Society National Conference was that as the WOC nurse in your facility, it's very important to have a seat at the table with your infection, as uh, Kate said, with your infection prevention committee, if you have a county committee, if you have a value analysis committee, anywhere that there would be an opportunity or a discussion regarding county or different products that would be available within the organization that you work in, and to have that voice to be able to bring the tool to the table and say this was developed, you know, based on the evidence with experts from all different disciplines and to voice the importance of the role and what we can do in the organizations that we work in. So Vicki, how did this project get into your hospital? So we actually have a we have a hospital-based county committee that is compromised of different disciplines but also staff nurses. And we have a system collaborative as well. And as I had shared before, since the development of the county tool, there have been other evidence-based practices that have evolved that, you know, we are looking at and integrated into our policy and our practice. So with the information that with the tool that was developed, I am a member of our county committee as well as infection prevention, and I sit on the system county committee as well, and bring the tools to the committee and the evidence that has been developed. At one point, our chief nurse had a one of the participants in this group come to our hospital to give a presentation as well on county in general. She was a WOC nurse as well. And, you know, we work together. So it's always nice to bring somebody in your organization from the outside, you know, that have different perspectives. And then again, we collaborate with our physicians and, you know, looking at the tool and putting it into a nurse-driven protocol in our electronic medical record. So it sounds like your role as a walk nurse would be a real good resource for the organization to integrate that tool into practice. Yes. And I think, again, they look to the WOC nurses in the organization for implementation of the tool, but also if we have a catheter or a Foley, you know, patients with a Foley catheter, sometimes is it appropriate if we remove the catheter, 
what are our alternatives and what can we do? And I think we play a very, very valuable role in that as well, is the what if afterwards? Um, how are we going to maintain skin integrity? What is available for our patients? What type of absorptive devices are available? I think it's twofold in the role that we play in development and implementation of the tool, but then also the component is if we don't insert a catheter, what do our staff nurses do? What do we have? What tools do we have available for them? So we as walk nurses answer the now what question after the catheter's out. Yes. I think we play a significant role. Yes, absolutely. In that component. So can you talk a little bit about the toolkit and the algorithm and just explain what they both encompass? So the actual algorithm looks at the criteria for insertion as its very first element. And it is three or four, uh, about seven bullet points that talk about is the individual in urine retention? Are they end of life? If their end of life is just for a comfort measure, are they critically ill and accurate measurements of INO need to occur? Has surgical procedures occurred in the GU colorectal area? Therefore, you know, they need to have that diversion of urine. So there are bullet points about why a consideration of a catheter may be important. This is based on the CDC. And so if the individual meets those criteria, then there's two arms. One is you put in a, a indwelling urinary catheter. The other is you don't insert an indwelling urinary catheter. And so there is a walkthrough on each one of those options. And then a very important piece of it is, well, okay, so... It's also important that if you choose to not put in a indwelling urinary catheter, are you assessing for the fact that the patient's actually adequately emptying their bladder? Because that's one area that wasn't really being evaluated necessarily the same way as, okay, we're assuming that all catheter-associated urinary tract infections occur because we're putting in devices. But in fact, perhaps they're occurring because people are in retention and they're not being put in devices. So you're not fixing the problem if people are in urinary retention and you haven't done anything about it. So there's a section that discusses adequate bladder emptying and assessment. And then there's a, Vicki, this part is probably more what you could speak to the actual insertion checklist. Yes. So as Kate had mentioned earlier in the presentation, is it mirrored the practice for CLABSI and the 2RN or two-person insertion. So we looked at the CDC guidelines and, you know, as Kate had shared, what the indications for Foley catheter insertion were. And that before the nurse performs the actual insertion of the Foley catheter to make sure that they adhere to CDC guidelines, the size of the catheter that's inserted, and to, for example, um, you know, if possible, facilitate a two-person insertion so that you have appropriate visualization and that the technique is you know, maintaining sterile technique and obviously hand hygiene. And then to ensure that when the catheter um, is being inserted, that the procedure is maintained sterile. I know there was a practice that you pre-inflate the balloon to test it, but that is not evidence-based. So there were particular, I think, points that we wanted to ensure that was included in the checklist for actual insertion. And then after uh, the catheter is inserted, we know that there's certain, you want the Foley bag or the drainage bag to be below the bladder. 
You want to make sure that there's no kinks or obstructions in the tubing. You want to make sure that the catheter is adequately secured so that there's no, you know, no pull on the catheter to introduce any bacteria and again to, you know, for risk of a catheter-associated urinary tract infection. And at, in the box at the bottom of the algorithm goes through all of those steps, step-by-step, um, and very clear for the staff nurse regarding sterile technique, insertion, making sure that the catheter bag is not resting on the floor. So all of the tips or points, you may say, that would increase the risk of a patient developing a catheter cauty having the Foley catheter. So it really does list and highlight what the nurse should look for once that catheter is inserted. And again, um, you know, the goal is if you do have to insert the Foley catheter to ensure that you're meeting the indications, the CDC indications for having a catheter. And do they address follow-up to remove the catheter too? Does the nurse check every day to see if the catheter is still needed? Yes. Yes. And there were prompts as well to ensure that the patient is still meeting the criteria for, yes, for insertion. So then that all had to be included in your electronic medical record too. Yes. Wow. So Vicki, what's going on in your organization now with this initiative? Because it's been going on for a little while, so it's not news anymore. How is it all going as far as sustaining it? So I think in sustaining any quality metric, you always have to have your finger on the button and you have to ensure that your practices are being followed. I think since the implementation of this toolkit, as I mentioned before, there's been a lot of work done with absorptive products as well as different external urinary devices that are available in managing female uh, urinary incontinence, Um, different urinals that are available, external devices are available. So to ask, I think it's an everyday work in progress. We have to continue to look to see what's available for the staff nurses to make it easy for them at the bedside and to continue to look at the evidence. And I think that is the point where we are at every day in evaluating the patients that do have a catheter and every day asking the questions, are they meeting the criteria? Can the catheter be removed? And what are we going to do once the catheter is removed to ensure, again, because we have the expertise, that we're maintaining skin integrity. So it sounds a little bit like sustaining a pressure ulcer prevention initiative. Yes. You have to keep your finger on the pulse. Absolutely. And then I read something in the article about feedback from the toolkit when the uh, initial 16 hospitals trialed it. And it said that it assisted nurses when speaking with physicians about cordy prevention. Uh, So I thought that was an interesting and a really positive comment to kind of help a nurse deal with a physician and teach them about what was going on. Absolutely. And I think that's very pertinent in lots of areas where there isn't necessarily the same level of big centers are going to be doing things different than medium-sized centers versus small centers. And I think that the importance of being able to take the evidence and say to a physician, you know, we really need to consider the options here today based on the evidence and how we can help prevent catheter-associated urinary tract infections. So if you don't have a big, huge group working on infection prevention and cardi in your organization, you know, it may be a very small group and sort of the communication starts at the bedside and it helps nurses to have 
this in hand. And I think one of the things that I didn't mention, and I think most hospitals do do across the country, is that they have unit-based county champions. Just like we have skincare champions, we have county champions. I work in a magnet facility, and peer-to-peer education is very important. And I think the role of the county champion as a staff nurse is integral to be successful and to help reduce your county infections. Because they can keep a close eye on it every day. Yes. All right, Vicki and Kate, I've taken up a lot of your time tonight. Is there anything else before we finish up that's important for our listeners or anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Well, yes, you had one little question that I thought was important. It said, is there further research ongoing in this project to measure outcomes? And I think that probably not under the umbrella of the American Nurses Association that we know of, is there further research going on regarding this tool. However, I would throw out to any members listening that want to be engaged in work around continents that this is a great stepping stone to look at how to do some sort of project or research paper if you happen to be in school around CAUTI and around utilization of the toolkit, around nurses' understanding um, around the elements of the toolkit. It's just absolutely a most perfect jumping point for that kind of discussion. And of course, once you've finished writing it, you might want to submit it to the Journal of Woundoscopy and Continence Nursing or do a poster at <laughs> National Conference around CAUTI and the toolkit and the utilization of its elements in your practice. It's just a perfect opportunity. It sounds like both the poster and the article would be good. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) As long as you're doing it, do it up all the way. That's right. (laughs) And I also think it's very important that we are wound ostomy and continence nurses, and we play a significant role in any facility that we work in, in the role of continence. We cross over the continence nursing specialty with everything that we do every day because it does affect skin integrity and pressure injury and moisture-associated skin damage, all of the areas that we are considered experts in. So it is important that continence piece in the role that we play or do every day. All right. Thank you both. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you. Thank you. If you're interested in more information on the Caudi Prevention Toolkit, that can be found at the ANA website, nursingworld.org. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk Talk. Please visit wocn.org slash podcast for additional details about this topic and the speakers. You can also get more information about subscribing to this podcast so you never miss an episode and to get the latest news and information from the WOCN Society. Again, That's WOCN.org slash podcast. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode of Walk Talk. Walk Talk.